If you would turn in your Bibles to the book of John, John 10, found on page 1065. John 10, we're going to read the first 18 verses. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and I will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father um, knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, also, that they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. In the last Navajo congregation I I pastored, I would say probably a third of the congregation, um, they all had sheep. That was kind of a common thing because mutton was part of everyone's diet there. And I remember one time an older woman in, in her 80s, um, she probably had about 30, 30 head of sheep. And uh, every day she would take her sheep out into the uh, foothills of the Chuska Mountains and he, she would graze them and uh, that night bring them back and they would follow her and she would pen them up. And she did this day after day. Um, and again, she was in her 80s when I, uh, when, when I, the story that I want to share with you. Well, one time she uh, ended up in the hospital and uh, she was there a couple days, and that actually created a problem for her family because they came to tend her sheep, and uh, the sheep, they, they didn't want to listen to them. And uh, so they opened the, the, the gate, and the, the sheep came out of the pen, and they, they walked just the way Angie used to walk, and uh, the sheep wouldn't follow. And from what I hear, you know, the, the family ended up kind of trying to corral them and chase them to make them go where they were supposed to go. And finally that night, they, they did 
um, eventually get him back into the pen, but it, it took quite a while because, again, the sheep didn't want to follow anyone in the family but, but their shepherd. And uh, I heard years later that um, Angie did pass away, and uh, the family, because of their experience um, the previous time, they decided to just sell the sheep because they didn't want to go through all that again. And I, you can understand why. That can be a little frustrating, trying to work with sheep that won't listen to you. Now keep in mind what festival we said the people are celebrating. Last time we said it was the Feast of Tabernacles, which was not only a celebration of the harvest, but it also was a celebration of how God provided for them those 40 years when they were wandering in the desert. And as the people celebrated this feast, Jesus proclaimed to them that he was the bread of life. He was manna from heaven, just as God provided for uh, the Israelites in the desert. He was also water from the rock, or the living water. He was also the pillar of fire, or as we said last week, the light of the world, sent to them by God. And each time that, that Jesus proclaimed these things, He identified himself with the Father by using that word, I am. The very word that God gave the people at the the burning bush um, long, long before that. And this was was the name God gave Moses, and, and Jesus was taking it upon himself to show the people that he and the Father were one. Immediately following this, we are given the account of Jesus healing the blind man in chapter 9. Not only did Jesus tell the people that he was the, the Messiah, but now he, he, he shows them that he's got the power of the Messiah, the power of, of God, and, and, and the miracles that, that he performed, especially in the miracle of, of opening this uh, blind man's eyes. And so at the end of chapter 9, Jesus calls the Pharisees spiritually blind because despite the miracles, despite how Jesus had revealed himself to the people, they didn't believe. They, they, they still didn't believe that he was the Messiah that they had been looking for for so long. Well, Jesus knows that the Pharisees aren't getting this, and so he reveals himself to them in another way, using the illustration, or I, I think you could say the analogy, of, of a shepherd's relationship with his sheep. And since sheep were such an important part of the people's lives, not only part of their economy, but part of their diet, and also part of the the sacrificial system. That was something that the people could easily identify with, and they knew exactly what Jesus was communicating to them. Now, while God had sent under-shepherds or caretakers to watch over his sheep in his name, yet we know that besides David and, and maybe a couple others, on the whole, the shepherds, they didn't do the best job. A lot of times they were so focused on themselves that they literally messed up. And because they didn't keep their eyes on the good shepherd, when they took care of God's sheep, they weren't effective, especially because they would follow the gods of the nations around them. But listen to what the people were uh, looking forward to. Um, how the, the Messiah that, that they knew was coming would be of the line of David. 
Ezekiel 34, 25. It says he will uh, usher a covenant of peace, this new Messiah. And then uh, breaks it down just a little bit before that. Verse 11. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. Verse 23. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, or it would be like my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. So when Jesus claims that he is the good shepherd, I am the good shepherd, he said. He's clearly claiming to be the fulfillment of prophecy, that he was the uh, expected um, Messiah that the people had been looking for. And as the good shepherd, he's claiming the sheep from those under shepherds who had been caring for the sheep, from the prophets, the priests, the kings, because now the Messiah had come. In the book, They Smell Like Sheep, the author of uh, this, uh, this book, she, she recounted a, a, a trip she took some years before um, where she went to Israel. And she was on this tourist, tourist bus with a lot of other tourists, and uh, uh, apparently their guide went into this long spiel about the, the, the shepherd's relationship with the sheep and how tender it was and how he cared for them. He talked about how the shepherd builds a relationship with his sheep, how he feeds and gently cares for them. He pointed that a, a Jewish shepherd wouldn't drive the sheep, but would, would lead them. He also talked about how the shepherd didn't need to use force to, to make the sheep follow, but the sheep willingly followed when they heard the shepherd's voice. But as the tour guide was talking, he suddenly realized that he had lost his audience, that suddenly Everyone was looking out the window. And for some reason, well, they, they weren't paying attention anymore, and, and so he joined them to, to see what, were, what they were looking at. And, and that's when he saw something that he couldn't believe. Because there was a flock of sheep in, in a, a fenced-in pasture, and there was a guy, apparently the shepherd, who was chasing the sheep. Not leading the sheep, but chasing them. And he was so frustrated, you could tell he was getting angry, and he, he was picking up stones, and he was throwing it at the sheep, and apparently he got some sticks, and he was throwing those sticks at the sheep. He had a, a, a dog with him, and he, he made the dog go after the sheep, trying to round these sheep up, and, and apparently the tourist guide, she, she couldn't believe it. And she was so upset that she jumped out of the bus and, and ran over toward the field where Apparently, this guy is now leaning against a, a post out of breath. And, and she basically says, do you understand what you, you, you've done to me? And the tour guide just looked at her like, what? She goes, everything I just told these people about a shepherd's love for um, his sheep, you just ruined. What in the world is wrong with you? Well, the man looked be bewildered for a moment, and then he started to smile and said, oh, you thought I was a shepherd. Oh, you got this all wrong. I'm just the butcher. <laughs> and clearly, <laughs> this man demonstrated that day that sheep will only follow their shepherd. And so what is Jesus revealing about himself when he says, I am the good shepherd? Well, here's the first thing. Jesus knows and cares for his sheep. Jesus knows and cares for his sheep. As a good shepherd, Jesus is revealing to us his commitment 
to our well-being. He wants to have the, the kind of relationship with us that a shepherd would have with his sheep, an intimate relationship where the shepherd cares for them and provides for them and makes sure that all their, their needs are met. Apparently in, in, in the Middle East, even today, um, at nighttime, um, a number of families will, will bring their sheep together into one pen. And so there can be hundreds of sheep in the same pen, which you, you would think, wow, there's no way you're going to sort that mess out in the morning when, when you want to take your sheep and, and, and leave the others. But uh, apparently when the shepherd goes out there and opens the, uh, the gate um, and calls to the sheep, only his sheep will follow. And when the other shepherd comes out, only his or those sheep will follow that person and, and on and on, depending on how many sheep are there. Sheep will follow their shepherd, and they, they know his voice, just as, as Jesus said. And while a shepherd today, I don't think, would, would know all his sheep's name, um, Tim, do you know all the names of your sheep? Not a single one. Yeah, I, I think that's true for, for most shepherds, you know, who have a lot of sheep. But our, our passage says that Jesus knows all our names. He doesn't confuse you with somebody else. He doesn't think, oh man, I thought you were so-and-so, and that's why I did this. He, he, he doesn't have that problem. He knows your name. He knows your needs. He, he wants to have an intimate relationship with you. The Bible says our Shepherd knows everything about us. Listen to how Psalm 139 proclaims this truth. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. Verse 10 of our our text, we're told that the good shepherd wants us to have abundant life. Abundant life is is the kind of life that that, um, we desire as well, and that's to, to know God's goodness physically, but also to know God's goodness spiritually, to have all our needs fulfilled and and met. Again, listen to what Ezekiel 34 says says our, our shepherd will do for us. Verse 11, Yahweh, or Adonai, which you might remember is God's covenant name, will search for his wandering sheep and, and look after them. Verse 12, I will rescue them from all the places where they are scattered. Verse 14, I will tend them in, in, in good pasture. They will lie down in good grazing land and will, and will feed in rich pasture. You might um, keep in mind that sheep normally won't lie down un- until their, their bellies are full. Um, if there's a lot of conflict among the sheep, they won't lie down. If uh, there, there's an enemy, if there's a, a wolf or a coyote prowling around, they won't lie down because they're, they're afraid. But they will lie down when the shepherd is there and they feel secure. And that's what Ezekiel is saying in, in chapter 34, that because of our good, the good shepherd, because of God's care for us, we can lie down and we can rest and experience that abundant life because our shepherd is there. For those of you who have been coming on Sunday afternoon, 
we've been watching that the world may know. And um, a couple times the, the, the video was uh, speaking about um, the green pastures and the still waters. And in, in our minds, when we think of the green pastures, man, we don't have to look far, right? We just have to look out the windows and, and the hay fields all around us. I mean, in our minds, that's the green pastures. But when you look at the video and you see the wilderness where the people actually graze their sheep, there's no green pastures there. It looks pretty barren. There's a little bit of grass here and a little bit of grass there and a little bit of grass there. And so the shepherd is always leading the sheep. And, and there's just enough grass here and there. And, 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 and because of the wisdom of the shepherd and knowing where that grass is, their bellies are, are filled so that they can rest and that they can lie down. It's kind of a, a, a different idea for us. Um, and it, that's when it really helps to understand the, the Bible, I think, in context and, and see what, what's really going on. And our shepherd cares for us so well that Psalm 23 says that because of his care for us, we can lie down in green pastures beside still waters. That means our shepherd gives us exactly what we need each day. We don't have an, uh, an abundance. It's not like we're, we're storing up hay for uh, times to come. We're talking about a, a relationship between a shepherd and his sheep, and he gives them exactly what they need for that day, providing them with the, the water they need to drink so that they can rest, so that they can lie down at the end of the day. That's what God does for us. We'd like to have each of us hundreds of thousands of dollars maybe in our bank accounts, but you know what? Our shepherd's going to take care of us. You don't have to trust in your wealth, but you can trust in your shepherd. It's wonderful when God blesses us with those things. He blesses us so that we in turn can be a blessing to others, but we don't have to put our trust in it because our good shepherd, he knows your needs. He knows your wants too. And he will provide for us in accordance with his will. Listen to something that uh, Corey Ten Boom wrote. She says, Deep in our hearts we believe in a good God, yet how shallow is our understanding of his goodness, especially since we see many things that seem to deny it. Often I've heard people say, How good God is. We prayed that it would not rain for our church picnic and look at the lovely weather. Yes, God is good when he sends good weather. But God is also good when he, when he allows my sister, Betsy, to starve to death before my eyes in that German concentration camp. I remember one occasion when I was very discouraged there. Everything around me was dark, and there was darkness in my heart. I remember telling Betsy that I thought God had forgotten us. No, Corey, said Betsy, God has not forgotten us. Remember his word, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those fear him. We serve a good shepherd. And the good shepherd will provide for us no matter where we're at, no matter what we're going through. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fear because he's there. Which leads to my second point. The good shepherd loves his sheep so much that he's willing to lay down his life for them. The good shepherd loves his sheep so much that he's willing to lay down his life for them. Verse 7, Jesus proclaims that he is the gate. 
Again, using that I statement. Back then, sheep were often kept in these round enclosures or maybe even in a cave with just one opening. And so what the shepherd would do is at night, he would actually sleep against the open, sleep right across the opening. That way, no one could get through, no one could get out. They'd have to go through him. And so literally, he would lay down his life to keep his, his sheep safe. And that's exactly what the Bible says Jesus has done for us. Now, this probably struck Jesus' listeners as being the most idiotic thing that they had ever heard. What shepherd would lay down his life for the sheep? It doesn't make sense because if the shepherd's dead, then who's going to take care of the sheep? Who's going to provide for them? Who's going to lead them to where where the grass is and, and to where the clean water is? But I think that's the point Jesus is making. And we should readily identify with that. It's because Jesus was willing to lay down his life. That he went to the cross. That he was the Lamb of God that had come to take away the sins of the world. Because of that, we have eternal life. Through Jesus, our sins have been forgiven. In him, we find abundant life. In John 10, we're told that Jesus willingly lays down his life for his sheep. He does this of his own accord. No one's forcing him. John 15, 9, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Did Jesus do this because we were worthy of it? Because we were worthy of his love? Because we had done just enough good things to deserve the care that he's showing us? And I think we know the answer to that. We don't deserve this. We don't deserve his care. And yet, verse 16 of of that passage says, You did not choose me, but I chose you. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrated his love for us in this, while we were still sinners, or you could say, while we were still stinky sheep, Christ died for us. The previous chapter, we didn't read it, but the, the Pharisees kicked the blind man out of the synagogue because Jesus had cured him of uh, his blindness. And, and I think as they did this, they, they demonstrated that they really didn't care for this man. They, they weren't the shepherds. Because if they were truly the shepherds of God's people, they, they, they would have loved him. They would have cared for him. They would have embraced him, but they didn't. They just pushed him away because he challenged what they thought. Where the Pharisees judged and condemned, the Bible says Jesus forgives. At every turn, Jesus showed what it means to be the true shepherd or to be the good shepherd. And as the good shepherd, Jesus reveals his love for us. Remember when we were living in New Mexico, I helped uh, some um, folks from our, our church uh, butcher a couple sheep one time. And um, everything was going great uh, until we started to scrape the, the, the hides, which um, still had a lot of wool on them. And I'd never been that close, I guess, to, to sheep, but I couldn't believe the smell. They really do stink. And, and I'm thinking, why in the world does this sheep stink so much? And then I started to look at it, and it was the wool. It, it was everything that was stuck in the wool, um, the mud, the manure, and, and boy, he really had quite an odor. Um, but you know what? That's really us, isn't it? I mean, that's our sin. That's how we come before the Father. And, and, and despite that we are just like those stinky sheep, 
with that sin that we're dealing with constantly, the Bible says God loves us. That the shepherd, Jesus, still takes us in his arms and holds us close to himself. Or you could say holds us close to his heart. Despite the dirt, he still loves us. Isaiah 40, verse 10 says, Yahweh Adonai tends his sheep. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. This morning, if you feel, if you feel dirty, if you feel like your wool is matted because of sin, if you're tired of trying to do things in your own strength, You've messed them up just once too often, made a mess of your life. I encourage you to come to the Good Shepherd, because this morning he's calling your name. He's calling each of our our names to come and follow him. You don't have to worry about whether you're good enough. You don't have to worry about whether he will accept you or not, because when we stand in Christ, When we ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, his righteousness becomes ours. And that's what makes us good enough. He cleanses us. The Bible says he places new robes upon us, robes of righteousness, so that we might have fellowship with our God. And after he cleanses us, that's when we can rest in the green pastures, laying beside still waters, knowing that our shepherd is there, knowing that we have nothing to fear. Oh, there's wolves all around us. There's danger all around us, but we don't have to be afraid because the shepherd is there. And the shepherd carries a big stick, doesn't he? Psalm 23, thy, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort you. That, that, that staff, that symbolizes God's power. It's what Moses used to part the Red Sea. It's what Moses used to bring water from the rock that that symbolized God's power. And our shepherd is holding that staff as he watches over us, using all of God's power to keep us safe. Especially in this day and age where we see see some things happening around us that we just shake our head and we see the danger. We, we, We see how things are changing. And yet, you don't have to be afraid. Our shepherd will take care of us. He will be there for you. And so this morning, how will you respond to the shepherd's love? How will you respond to the fact that Jesus gave his life for our salvation? Will you listen to the shepherd? Will you trust him? Will you trust his love? Not just say, you, I trust Jesus, but then... Don't live like it, but will you actually live your life like you trust him? Putting him first in everything. And then entering only through Jesus. You know, there's only one gate into the sheep pen, into the family of God, and that's through Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. All roads don't lead to the top of the mountain. There's not many different gates to get into the the family of God. There's only one, and that's through Jesus, through his death and resurrection. And so in light of this gift, in light of, of Christ's love, how will you respond?
This morning, as the, the, the good shepherd calls out your name, will you follow him? No matter where he leads, even though you don't know the way, will you follow him? Will you trust him? Can you say this morning, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. I hope we all can say that because it's true. Because we have the good shepherd watching over us. What a reason to be thankful for this morning. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word and for your great love for us, for sending your son, Jesus, who was the good shepherd. Father, forgive us when when we go astray. Forgive us, Lord, when we follow the goats around us and we get ourselves into all kinds of trouble. Lord, forgive us for taking our eyes off you. And Lord, this morning we again respond to your love and, and we look to you and we rest in your shadow, in the shadow of the Almighty. Father, we just pray that that as we look to you, as we trust in you, that we might truly find rest for our souls. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus